I think we have now 19 out of 20 Serie A fan bases listening to the Serie A sit-down uh, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is and always at the highest level. Frank Ravello here. Uh, glad to uh, have you all on board with us. I'm not sure any Juventini are listening anymore, uh, but uh, along for the ride anyway and uh, probably reluctantly to uh, be associated with me is Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. Yeah, um, yeah. If there are any Juventini out there, let me know. You don't have to necessarily tweet Frank. You can tweet me. Let me know. <laughs> How you doing, Frank? I'm good. I'm good, and I'm not sorry. You're doing I'm better after a couple days. Yeah, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for what I said. Uh, you know, I, you know, and we're, and, and we'll get into that. Um, and uh, we'll just kind of tease the uh, listeners with what went down on Twitter and uh, and and what kind of uh, came after that. But um, uh, doing doing all right. It was a nice Easter. Kids enjoyed the uh, the Easter egg hunts, the Easter bunny, and and the like. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, your your boy's first Easter. He's not he's not ready to uh, to go searching for eggs though, right? No, 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 not yet. We went to see some family in Pittsburgh and. Uh... Yeah, he got some, you know, he got some Easter gifts or whatever, if you will, because he's too young, like you said, to go Easter egg hunting. But it was a good time. Uh, yeah, he, I don't think he liked the car ride, but everything else he enjoyed. Now, did you find Pittsburgh to be a lot quieter now without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell in the city? Very much so. Not as <laughs> brass as <laughs> Little American football, so uh, just to uh, just to uh, get things going. So um, we have a very loaded uh, podcast here. Um, we have many talking points that we have to discuss, and we're going to kick it off, Richard, with uh, well, they've done it again for the eighth season in a row. And uh, well, is anyone really surprised? Juventus are champions of Italy. Uh, for the eighth consecutive season, they do so by beating Fiorentina by two goals to one. Uh, but they had to sweat this one out. Milankovic opened the scoring for Fiorentina. Chiesa, Chiesa hit the post twice um, in this game. Alexandro ends up getting the, uh, you know, making it one-one, and then uh, it was a Pizzella own goal that gives Juventus the win. They only needed a point. Uh, to lock up their eighth straight Scudetto, uh, but they do get the win over a uh, a rival uh, in Fiorentina and uh, eight in a row. And and we said this last year about them when they clinched the Scudetto, and we're going to say it again about them, Richard. They're just the best team in Italy. Yeah, it's not even close right now, and it's and it's like if you look on paper, they're not necessarily that much better than everybody else, but on the pitch they are. They're consistent. Um, Napoli's got a maybe equally as good team, and you can, maybe you can even see some other teams that are fighting for the Champions League spots. However, Juve bring it game in, game out. They're very consistent. Um, they don't necessarily go and try to be flashy. They're very resourceful sometimes, but it doesn't matter. They get the three points. That's what Max Allegri cares about. I mean, if they score three goals, you'd be like, whoa, what happened there? They, they broke out and scored some goals today. So, um, you know, they're very efficient. That's the important thing. And, uh, they know how to get the job done. They play defense well, and obviously they know how to bring the youth up as well. We saw Moise Keane with his breakout this season as well. So it's 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 fair that they, they're the champions by far. They've been the best from, from start to finish. So uh, kudos and congratulations to them and Juvent- any Juventini that are listening tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you that uh, that understood what I meant when, when I tweeted what I did, again, gonna gonna say this for later, but I just want to bring this up because I want wanted to take a look and see you know over these last eight seasons and i think the team that probably gave him the closest run was napoli last season uh, and then you probably have to go to the first win of this run first of this run when they edged milan uh, it really was i mean let's not let 
you know, and we're not saying this because we're Milan fans, but this whole thing started with a Sully Montari disallowed goal in the 2011-2012 season. That's either here nor there because Juventus still have backed it with the depth and the quality to be able to win games. I'm going to tell you something pretty astonishing here, Richard, because after this season, um, eight seasons, Richard, uh, 38, 38 match weeks a season, that's 304 match weeks, Juventus has been at the top of the table for 223 of those 304 match weeks. Consistency. So they have been top of the table 73% of the time over the last eight years. So they have, you know, for hard enough to win eight years in a row in any league, but to win it with that kind of control uh, is just staggering. Some of that's an indictment on the rest of the clubs really struggling to get their house in order, really struggling to get their finances, really struggling to get um, – you know, their, their squads built appropriately. You know, um, some of it is those squads, when they play each other, they tend to cannibalize each other and just all drop to points to each other, and Juventus just run away with the thing. But you look at it here, 223 match weeks out of 304 for a 73% clip. That's dominance uh, over the course of eight seasons, Richard. Yeah, it's uh, unprecedented dominance, and it's it's an indictment both on how good Juventus have been and how poor it, their rivals have been. Um, it's just so bees that both Milan clubs are in their their their, their downtime. They're in the stretch. Um, Napoli is coming to the forefront now, but they weren't there before. Roma has been struggling. Lazio has been struggling. So uh, Juventus has really taken a, a stranglehold of of this division and made it their own. And they're doing what they want each year, week in week out. And it, I mean, doesn't matter which lineup they have up there, they're going to get the results they need. And that's that's been the the magic of it doesn't—it's not all been one manager. It's been a couple managers, but still, um, the fact that they they can uh, promote a quality product out there—you know—have this new stadium now that that's even drawing in more money. They're going to be around for a long, long time. You know, and in terms of just the Syria front, um, you can expect them to be at the top for a very long time. It's going to be—you know—one of the rivals is going to have to step up to the plate. You know, Napoli had a very good chance last season. Uh, this season they fell off by the wayside. They're like 20 points behind right now or something. So uh, the the rivals need to step up big time. And it's not just because they have the players there in place. They need to play consistently. And that's what that's what sets Juve apart from everybody else. Now, this season they'll have been top of the table for 37 out of the 38 match weeks. Um, just match week one, Atalanta started the season on top, and that was really on goal difference when they blasted Frosinone 4-0. Wasn't Sassuolo um, at first place for like one minute or something? Something crazy no. in the season? Maybe they were. Uh, maybe they were. Maybe they held it until Atalanta, because Atalanta had to play the last game of that match week, and they played Frozenone uh. and beat them 4-0. So, yeah. <laughs> Sassuolo had it for about a minute, um, and then Atalanta had it for a week, and then Juventus took over after that. So, it's funny that um, Juventus drew the the uh, worst team in the league that first game. <laughs> They well, Kievo, yeah, they I was at Kievo and they actually it was a struggle and they they won three two um, at the Bentagori, so it started with that. But the other the other stat here that, um, you know, because we talk about Lazio and we talk about their struggles against you know the the kind of the top six, if you will, we talk about you know Juve, Napoli, the Milan clubs, the Roman clubs, you know, Juventus has not dropped a point against any of those clubs this season. Not a single point. Fantastic. And that's why they're champions. Consistency. Yep. They, they, you know, they bring it every game. And, you know, these other clubs, they want to, you know, want to compete with Juventus. Getting zero points from them is not the way to do it. 
So, yeah, they have not dropped a single point against the teams that are supposed to be their title rivals. Uh, that's another impressive feat as far as winning um, winning the Scudetto. Now, going forward with Juventus, because now some stories are breaking out, and we're going to get into talking about their Champions League. You know, well, we're going to – it's a good news, bad news conversation here about Juventus here, Richard. Um while the good news is is that they've won another Scudetto, they've made it eight in a row, an incredible feat. You know, let's talk about them going forward because a lot of storylines that can break from this uh, defeat to Ajax in the in the quarterfinals. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo might not be there after just one season. Um, you know, some possible movement of some players. Obviously, Allegri's uh, future very much in doubt. He probably is going to walk away from all of this after this season. Wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Uh, actually, would be surprised if he didn't and if he stuck with it. Um, you know, you got Moise Ken, who's 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 a rising star uh, and has gotten in, you know flashed a great run of form here. Um, but you know outlook for Juventus going forward, and I guess we're going to have to tie this in with the rest of the teams here. When will they lose a Scudetto now? <laughs> um, when will the other rivals step up? It's not going to be next season, I don't think. And You're looking at, there's a very good possibility they'll be lifting a Scudetto I'll just say for the next five years. Um, again, it Really? You think they'll go that long? Yeah, I mean somebody has to step up and show that they can do it. Napoli came the closest last season but this season they dropped off big time in point, points wise, um, and the Milan clubs are still way away in terms of points. So until someone shows me on the pitch that they can they can compete with them week in and week out, I think it's going to be a while. Now, now that said, you know these some of these rivals start getting to the the Champions League, start getting the Champions League money, and starts um, getting depth in their squad and start playing. Maybe have better managers. Who knows? That may change quicker than that. But um, as at present with current you know players and management. I, I give five years. Five years? I I, I think they're going to lose one sooner than that. Um, watching this Juventus team, I mean, yes, they had not dropped a single point. We're in an era of football now, Richard, where you can only game manage your way for so long. Um, and I think that that's what Juventus has kind of been their trademark as far as how they go out and win games. They have a lot of game managers in their team, guys that just kind of get through it. All right, went you know beat you two nil. Go about your business. You know, come from behind. You know, follow goal behind. Come from behind and win two one. But I'm seeing this Juventus team is finding ways to win. They're not they're not a dominant Juventus team. And when I think of a dominant Juventus team, Richard, I think of the 2014-2015 team that had Andrea Pirlo, that had Paul Pogba, that had Carlos Tevez. Um, and then obviously had Buffon and had Bonucci and, and, and Barzali and Chiellini and just had guys at really at the top of their game. Uh, Alvaro Morata uh, was there uh, for a period as well um, and, and, you know, helped carry them to the Champions League final that season against Barcelona. To me, that was a dominant Juventus um, as evidence. I mean, they spent 35 out of 38 weeks at the top of the table that season in 2014-2015. 2016, 2017, that was a dominant Juventus when they added Pjanic, when they added Higuain. They got the one good season out of Gonzalo Higuain. Um, I don't find, even with the addition of Cristiano Ronaldo, and this is a really hot take, even with the addition of Cristiano Ronaldo, even with the addition of Joao Cancelo, I don't find this 
to be a dominant Juventus team. And the reason why I say that is because watching them play, okay, they went from, you know, they, they, as the season evolved, they forced making Cristiano Ronaldo the focal point. And I'll give a hot take here. A lot of players on that Juventus team didn't look particularly comfortable with that. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of players suffered for it because you had Dybala and Pjanic not taking free kicks when they're the, they're the best in the league by far, and they're not taking any free kicks because you know a pretty boy has to take them. Um, yeah, I could see that for sure. Uh, that's not. I, I mean, mean, and, and Paulo Dybala has almost fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah, five. We were talking about him. We were talking about him as the next the next best player two seasons ago. I mean, I, that 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 we're both old enough to remember. We were talking about him as maybe the next best player in the world and waiting for him to take. 22, take that. Yeah, 22 goals last year, and this year, five. Yeah, take it by the scruff of the neck and be a world-class footballer. And he has just totally fallen by the wayside. You know, I, and I'm, I'm doing this because you say five years. I think it's going to be sooner, and I'm trying to poke some holes at it. I, I, they, they forced a style that works for Ronaldo with a number of players that didn't look particularly comfortable playing that way. You know, or at least it just took an awful long time for everybody to adapt. Um, you know, so that's one thing, and it they they pretty much they're they're almost running DiBala out of Turin. Another thing that I'll you know add to this, do you know who Juventus's most important player right now, Richard, is Giorgio Chiellini. Oh yeah, and I and I'm willing to say it's not even close, because and I'll say this: if Chiellini is fit, Juventus are in the semifinals of the Champions League. Um, if he is fit. Fiorentina don't have their way with Juve the way they did. Uh, Spall don't beat them. Um, you know, they have missed him over the last several weeks. They've been fortunate to build a big enough lead, but you know, he's in his 30s. He's not going to be playing much longer. And the, you know, they moved on from Benatia. Daniele Dugani so far has just not proven he's capable. I, you know. I have some concerns that this Juventus team can be had a lot sooner than the five years you're suggesting. Yeah, they're, they're all very uh, – I'm with you. I understand completely exactly where you're coming from. Uh, but I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate because, uh, yeah, I agree with you that the Pogba-Pirlo team, you know, that was probably the best, most dominant team aesthetically, um, even if you want to go back to like Nedved and Del Piero and those kind of days. But – if you look at the table, they're 20 points up on on their nearest on their nearest team. I mean, that's dominance right there. They may not look it, but that's dominant. I mean, they're 20 point yeah, I mean, lead. I mean, the optics favor Juventus when you look at the table. It's a 20 point lead, yes, but when you when you peel the onion, they've they've sure, found ways yeah. to win a lot of these games. You know, they haven't. You know, they they haven't walked it in the way you saw Manchester City walk the Premier League last year. Now maybe Where they just blew everybody away. Maybe they're just bad or uh, not looking as dominant because of the teams they have to play against. They're not being forced to play great. Um, they, they had no one to push them all season long up until all the beginning of the season. But when they're not getting pushed, then why are they going to go to full, full, you know fourth and fifth gear uh, to show really what they got? And maybe that's the problem. If if they had you know a couple teams right there nicking them uh, nicking right behind their 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 their, their heels. Maybe they maybe they they show up, but yeah, I mean I agree. If you, if you look at the if you look at the players and the way they play, yeah, the team from a few years ago it's much more dominant. The way they uh, asserted themselves in games, Pogba and Pirlo just you know 
were pulling strings there in the midfield and you know Tevez is there and uh, and Morata and all that stuff. So yeah, but you know they also got Cristiano Ronaldo and he said he said he saw what he did you know with Atletico Madrid and he single-handedly almost beat them or beat them. Sure. So sure. When they wanted to turn when they wanted to turn it on they you know and second leg against Atletico Madrid is a prime example. They look like the best team in Europe. You know. Yeah. Um, but haven't seen it a whole lot and it's just right and and while you know i'm picky about juventus it's also an indictment on the rest of Serie A at the moment um you know napoli uh they look like they're burning out again uh you know as the as the season's winding to a close and this time <laughs> this time they had a manager that rotated people a little bit more often um inter milan atalanta roma None of them can get out of their own way right now. Uh, Lazio as well. Um, you know, Torino, there's only so much upside they're going to have. Um, and then, you know, and then the rest of the top 10, Sampdoria, Fiorentina, they were never going to get, they're never going to get there. Um, so this team, it's owning their own stadium and having their own revenue and, and having the resources to be able to, uh, build the squad that they can. Uh, obviously it's not, they're not spending at the level of some of these other clubs are in Europe, but they have a lot more spending power than the than the rest of the Italian clubs do, and that does give them a distinct advantage. Uh, but you want to start seeing the rest of these Serie A clubs get a little bit more savvy with how they build their squads to try to provide some competition here and to try to narrow the gap here with Juve. Yeah, and as we saw what Ajax did, they they spent, I think one, I think their whole team is less than most of the players on Juventus. You don't necessarily have to buy players. You got to scout them young and do and develop them. That's what Ajax did. That's how they beat them with speed and and uh, and just naivety. Serie A teams got to do much better, not only with the purchases that they do make, but also with the the youth development from the youth academy and and scouting players. Um, That'll go a long way in trying to dethrone the champions. Sure. So they're champions again, eight years in a row. Um, and, uh, probably going to be nine. I don't know if they're going to get to 10. I'm hoping one of these teams figure it out and build a squad. Um, if there's somebody that's going to knock off Juventus within the next five years, which club is best set up to do that? In the short term, well, I want to say Napoli or one of the Milan squads. In the long term, in the long term, it could be Fiorentina. If they find a manager with all these young players they have, don't be surprised. I mean, Chiesa's a special player. They got a lot of young, good talent on the team. If they can keep them. If they um, can keep them, that's the operative thing. Yeah. 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 I just don't think the Roman clubs can do it. Roma might have the best chance here in a few years once they have their stadium in place. Um, you know, but they've got to get a sporting director that knows how to buy players. The monkey, the monkey thing was a disaster. Um, a complete disaster. How you not uh, reinforce your defense after Alisson left? Take some of that Alisson money and buy some better defenders. To you know, um, it it mystifies me. They they're defensively a little bit better now because Mirante's in goal and not Olsen too. But it's uh, you know there's issues there. Inter have put together a pretty strong squad. They just they they 
the mentality, number one, on the pitch, and then the infighting with the guy who's supposed to be their captain and his wife, you know, I mean, they're letting some really ticky-tack teenage shit uh, keep them from, you know, having a higher ceiling than they have. Milan just are – there. a lot of young, inexperienced players out there on the pitch is really what's going on in, with Milan, and that's what's maybe inhibiting them. But they're also, they're also playing a very slow, very predictable game too. Um, you know, Atalanta – Wonderful going forward, uh, cringeworthy defensively. So you know there's all kinds of problems with the with the possible contending teams here um, that need to figure out how to if they're going to close the gap they've got to figure some things out. So if you were a Juventini, would you have celebrated on Saturday? Me? Um, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, ultimately the main goal was obviously the Champions League, and you got and you got out of that earlier than you had been in years, right? Yes, you know you should be. I'd be happy that I won a t- won the the league title again. But you didn't win the Copa Italia. You're not winning Champions League, and Champions League was the is what you wanted this year. Yo, we won seven in a row. Whoop de doo. You didn't win the Champions League. That's what you came. That's what you got Ronaldo for, right? So it it would be a, a muted celebration. Yeah, and the players kind of. I mean, there's a little video out there that shows Ronaldo in the dressing room who, who just kind of doesn't look like he wants to celebrate, and then he kind of does a little fake thing. It's there for a few seconds. It's on my Twitter page, at FTC underscore 21. I retweeted it. I can't remember who uh, originally tweeted it here at the moment. Um, but there's that, and then, you know, even another uh, response to it was like, it, it just everybody feels like they're forced to celebrate over there. Here's what I said last week after the Champions League exit, and this is going to help us lead in a little bit to the European failures, Richard. Um, and I said, if I make, may make a suggestion to Juventini, if you happen to clinch the Scudetto against Fiorentina, don't celebrate. You shouldn't. Your season was all about Champions League. Grab the trophy, shake the leg of Calcio Brick's hand, and go on about your life. You and your team failed. I, we have non-Juventus fans, including our friend Ken Chofrede from uh, Far From Vesuvius, who loved it. And then we have the Juventini, who were absolutely going batshit crazy over what I, just, what I had said there. Yeah, and I'm watching a video now that you retweeted. It's, it's so funny. He's not celebrating at all. He's just like, all right, whatever. I'm just cleaning up and end of the season. Right, right. Yeah, it's like he's been there before. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, the rest of Juventus has been there before. So let me be clear about why I tweeted that and, how, and why I tweeted that. Because the Juventini attacked my team, Milan, and fine, have at it, okay? You know, but... I didn't tweet that as a Milan fan. I tweeted that as a as a podcast host and contributor. Okay, and when I'm making tweets about other teams, it's as the podcast host and contributor. The Milan, the the red and black glasses and the hat come off. Okay, so understand everybody that that's what I'm doing there. I'm not sorry for what I tweeted. I'm not going to apologize for it. I, I if as a Milan fan, if I knew Champions League was the ultimate end game and what was the goal with a team that was put together very similar to Juve's team, and that didn't happen. And we were in a position where we were going to win another another Scudetto. I probably would have shrugged my shoulders, honestly. I honestly would have. I might have, been, I might have smiled a little bit after it was finally clinched, a, a title that I knew I was already going to win. Uh, but I would have just shrugged my shoulders and gotten on with my life. I would have been happy for about five minutes, and then I would have gone on to something else, you know, um, 
we're talking about a Juventus team that had been so dominant in Italy, and we've talked about a team that prior to this season had four straight doubles, Richard. They go and buy a five-time Ballon d'Or winner. They buy Cancelo. They bring back Benucci to finish in the same position they finished in last season in the Champions League and win one less trophy. How How is that supposed to be celebrated? Yeah, I mean... Exactly. Well, actually, they finished, they finished, uh, in a lower position than they did in Champions League last year, because they were in the semifinals, right? Last year, and this year, they're only quarterfinals. No, they, they were, they went out in the quarters last year. Oh, they the quarters? Yeah. So, yeah. You don't insult, don't insult our Roma friends. They're the ones that reach the semis last That's year. That's true. You're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's at Sorry, the beginning. Roma fans. You got Peter Drury at the beginning of our, uh, at the beginning of our monologue. That's for, right. For, That's right. How did I forget that? That's a great season by Roma. Uh, yeah, it no, it's uh, yeah, they didn't do any better this year, and Champions League was obviously the the, the main goal, and um, they failed to do that, plain and simple. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I, I understand Juventini. I, you know, I'm going to be objective, and you know, <laughs> Richard's going to be objective. Serie A podcast hosts are, you know, whether it's us, you know, we're we're going to be objective, and we're not, you know. <laughs> And if we feel the opportunity, the need to take a shot at your team, we're going to take a shot at it. If we think you've been privileged by officiating, we're going to say it. Okay, so stop getting so upset and playing the victim here. Um, you live in shit, really. <laughs> I mean, compared to the rest of us, you, you're, 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 you know, um, right now and 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 eight straight. It's it's an it's an incredible achievement. But given if you just isolate it to this particular season. This is a failure. To just come away with one trophy is not acceptable for the team that was put together. Just not acceptable. Um, and Nally said so himself, right? In, in the in the Netflix documentary, he said, "It's Champions bingo. League is the trophy. It's the bingo. one thing we want." Bingo. So, you know, while it's a great feat, when you just, like I said, isolate it down to just this one season and how this squad was built, meh at best, but overall a failure. So. You know, that's and that's where I'm coming from. And it was a suggestion to not celebrate. It's not like, you you know, if you want to be happy about it, party like it's 1996. Like I said to some of the ones, some of the guys that got responded to me, which was, oh, by the way, the last time Juve won the Champions League. Um, I had a Juve fan ask me, when was the last time Milan won a Scudetto? I said more recently than the last time Juve won the Champions League. 2011. 2011. Yeah. So. But anyway, so, yeah, that you know, got riled up about it, had. You know, all sorts of uh, all sorts of opinion. Had people applauding it. Had people just and it, he just absolutely slaught, trying to slaughter me over it. And, and, and all of them were Juve fans. So, so let's Richard segue into Europe. Okay, they go out uh, at home two one to Ajax. They deserve to go out. Ajax was absolutely brilliant in this game. Um, where did we watch the game? I'll ask you. Where did it go wrong for Juve? I think they underestimated their opponent. Um, they knew that, that uh, Ten Hag would, would press, high press. That's what he does. He comes from the Guardiola system. Um, they knew he would do that, and they did not do anything about it. They they got pressured, and then didn't know what to do, turned it over, and Ajax just constantly came at them in waves, wave after wave. And there's nothing they could do about it. They, they looked too slow out there, um, you know, give give Ajax all the credit in the world because they you know they they shut down the the passing opportunities for for Juventus it was almost nothing it's like they weren't even ready for it even though they knew what was coming they saw what Ajax did to Real Madrid and other teams it is almost like you know what we're Juventus we're gonna win this it's, no, no, well, we show up and that's all we need to do and no they didn't plan properly and you gotta you gotta you gotta you know Max Allegri gets a big stick on this because 
we call him the master tactician, but he got this one wrong. And um, yeah, it was just it was wonderful masterclass by what I exited all the way around. And they're 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 young, they're fast. I mean, they look super fast compared to Juventus in this one, but. The midfield was the main thing that they could not hold the ball for freaking five seconds. It was constant pressure, and they would, you know, they get surrounded and turn it over. Pjanic, we we say that he takes world class free kicks, but he didn't look like a world class player at all in that game. Matuidi kept turning it over. Um, you know, Kadira Chan, whoever was in that midfield, they were not doing the job, and that was the main thing. By not holding the ball, you gave Ajax the ball, and they just kept attacking and attacking. You know. If Ajax didn't have the ball and you kept possession, they wouldn't have got as many opportunities. I mean, hello. So maybe the midfield is a big issue there. I agree on the midfield. Sorry, I muted myself there for a second accidentally. Um, but I agree on the midfield. Um, they played a they, – they had Chan, they had Pjanic, they had Matuidi, they had Bernadeschi, and it was all muddled. Um I don't know what they were doing with Ronaldo. It looks like they wanted to have him over on the left, and then they're having him drift up top. But, again, a game with Mattia de Shitlio, I mean, that was a big problem. I, you, They don't have – look, they don't have Chiellini. That's a big problem. I already addressed that. I said this this Juventus team is fragile without him. Um, and I think Chiellini is the most important player on this Juve team until he can't run no more. Okay? But you're at home. You need to seize this tie. And Allegri basically tried to shithouse his way through 90 minutes to get out of there and get to the semifinals against a team that already showed Real Madrid. You really can't do that to them. And to start to shit Leo over Joao Cancelo was simply unforgivable. You want to relieve some of that pressure that you were talking about with IX? Have a guy that can play that's on the that that's in a fullback position that's on the flank that you can get the ball to and give you a little bit of comfort. Decilio is clueless on the ball, just clueless. You know, Cancelo can cross it. He's got some good passing. He's got a good technical part to his skill set. He's probably if you did, if if Allegri did this because he thinks the Shitlio is a better defender, and I keep saying that because he is he's 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 a crap player, and he just happens to play for Juventus. Am I right or wrong? I hundred percent. You're hundred percent right. I mean, the shit, Leo. I mean, yeah. His name I mean, uh, speaks for itself. <laughs> I I'm reminded last year when they eliminated Tottenham from the Champions League and they have the they have the picture in the dressing room and the was like close to the front. I'm like, how dare you? You you had nothing to do with this game, and you're gonna go stand close to the front. What an ego. Uh, but anyway. Uh, that was one big problem. Where's Cancelo? Why isn't he playing from the start? Second big problem. Um, this Paulo Dybala, Cristiano Ronaldo combination does not work. You have a young forward in form, Moise Ken. Why isn't he playing from the start? Okay. A reference point up top that gives IX something to think about uh, instead of, okay, we'll just shift everything over to Ronaldo and try to make the game difficult on him. Okay. Because... Dybala's not play, Dybala's not the Dybala of two seasons ago. Bernardeschi's not in a position of real danger. Um, so I think the I think playing Ken from the start would have given Ajax a little bit of trouble defensively and would have stretched them a little bit more. You want to relieve some of that pressure on the midfield. Ken and Cancelo should have been playing from the start. Wow, 100%. We saw when Kane came on, 
how much he um, influenced the game from from the beginning. Yeah, you know, Matias De Ligt was forced to, to guard him instead of Ronaldo, but that's what you want. And and that was a, I was looking for that juicy matchup from the beginning. And unfortunately, we only got to see it for 45 minutes or whatever the heck it was when when Moisey Kane came on. So you need to have him on. I mean, especially the form that he's been on. Who cares what, what what level it's on? I mean, he scored in the last Champions League match, so um, he's been scoring big goals for them down the stretch here, and he should have started, and as well as Cancelo, because uh, he's been special all season long for them uh, for for Juventus. So uh, two players that are highly missed by from the start. Yeah, I mean, you would have had more players out there that are more comfortable with the ball, and um, you could have situated a, a, a bit more of a four-two-three-one, you know. Chan and Matuidi in a double pivot. You could have had Bernadeschi uh, to one side, Pjanic in the middle, Ronaldo, and then Can up front. Okay, I, I, you know, you, and play a little bit of a four-two-three-one, so you still have midfield to deal with. You know, to deal with what Ajax is doing going forward. You have players that are comfortable with the ball, and you can keep it. You know, and you take your chances, and that's just not what they did. They 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 played to avoid losing, and they ended up losing. And it was, it was stunning all the way around. It was stunning tactics from Allegri. It was a stunning performance from, uh, from Juventus, and not in a good way. And Ajax fully deserved to be in the semifinals, and I think they're going to beat Tottenham and reach the final. I think everybody's looking forward to one seeing Ajax in the finals, but uh, I, I know the they're already the buzz of seeing the Johan Cruyff finals are calling Barcelona against against. Um, Ajax, we'll see Barcelona. I see both teams can get there, but uh, Ajax. I mean, like, I, like I tweeted out after the game. It's like you're not che- if you're not cheering for Ajax at this point, you're a Satanist. I um, mean, they're just pure football, <laughs> pure joy to watch. I mean, they may, they look like old school Ajax at one point against Juventus, just tic tac toe, back and forth, doing whatever the heck they want. And this is youngsters, like mostly you know twenty year olds doing out there. So, what a performance by them! I immediately thought of the the team that won it in '95. When yeah, I watched yeah. this game, you know, um, I mean, they that team was so damn good. And if that manager is uh, not going to get a big job next year, oh, holy jeez, Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, but I could I could draw comparisons to the quality with which that '95 team played with. I thought they were that good. Now it's a it's still a tall ask for them to win this Champions League with Barcelona and Liverpool still in it. But anyway, yeah. we're getting we're getting off topic. I mean, as it relates to Juventus, let me, true or false, another Italian team is going to win the Champions League before Juventus gets their third. That's a good question. And I'm going to say true that another team will win before Juventus. It's I'm going to say true. I mean, it's just it doesn't for me it's just it's it's weird. I mean, they they can't get this done and they're obsessed with it and they can't get it done. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's like those it, it, it's a movie. It's like the movies where the boy is obsessed with the girl of his dreams and can never get her and never get her and never get her. And I mean, then the movie, unfortunately, for Juventus in the movie, he gets her in the end. And Juventus is not getting this third Champions League. And I think this movie's just going to keep going. So, Groundhog Day. What, ground, Groundhog Day? This is Groundhog I, Day for them. They keep, they keep trying to get there, and it didn't happen. Well, I Try guess that's a good way to put it. You can call this, they keep living the same day over and over and over again, and it's the day they get eliminated from the Champions League without winning it. <laughs> so, wow, we've piled on them. I mean, we, we celebrated them and, 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 and praised their dominance at the very beginning of this podcast. Now we're just taking a steaming shit on them. 
<laughs> drew them in, drew them in, and then, nope, sorry. <laughs> We're trying to figure out how to hate them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to tell me, and they say, oh, you enjoy, the fourth is considered success for you. And that's the other comment that I wanted to make about that. I said, I, I'm on record on Milan Weekly Pod saying, fourth to me should be a stepping stone towards winning more more Scudetto. I don't want Milan to be the next Arsenal in which they're happy winning fourth every year and getting to the Champions League on that. So, you know, but that's that's another story. Um, okay, so I think we've uh, beaten Juventus up enough uh, and praised them enough. Let's, let's beat uh, somebody talk, else up. <laughs> yeah, let's talk Europa League. Uh, boy, I mean, have you seen a more wasteful 180 minutes from Napoli? Last season, but no. Uh, yeah, they're just uh, – it was – Poor to watch. And, you know, you talked about it last week. You know, this wasn't that great of a advantage for Napoli in, in terms of coaching. I mean, when I Emery, what he's done with Sevilla in the past and uh, what he's doing with, with Arsenal, he's a quality manager, and he he he, he won that battle uh, the, over the two legs against um, Ancelotti, unfortunately. Yeah, Arsenal, they, they, they usually they're not that great on the road, but they played a really good game. Um, nothing Napoli could do. Napoli had... You know, they had their chances. They just don't finish their chances, and that's the problem. How many times have they thrown away? Not only in, the, in these two games against against Arsenal, but uh, any games on the road as well. I think Rafa or somebody pointed out that you know this Napoli on the road, they 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 throw away opportunities, and they did so as well at Stadio Olimpico or um, Stadio San Paolo. So, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh... An excellent uh, free kick from Lacazette to give uh, Arsenal a precious away goal and put Napoli in a spot where they had to score four, and they just weren't getting it done. I mean, they kept they they kept pounding away and just a number of chances that just technique just failed them. Some poor touches that they couldn't get clean shots off. Um, you know, some other chances that they just fluffed wide. I mean, a number of things here for Napoli. It was just uncharacteristic and a pity because I thought Napoli were. Going in, I thought they were the best team in this competition. Now, we need to talk about Napoli's mentality all of a sudden here, Richard, because they're they're fading they're they're fading again. Although this time under Ancelotti and with more of a rotation system than they had last season, do we talk about Napoli's mentality that you know all of a sudden April and May they're just they're they're worthless as far as getting results? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you should absolutely say that. And there's five games to go, and they only have a six point lead on on Inter at this point. I mean, I'm not gonna say Inter gonna catch them, but we said somebody might might, might catch them uh, like a month ago with with Milan, but it looks like it's gonna be Inter because Inter is starting to get some points now. They're they're continuing to get points. Well, you know, we'll get to Napoli's result later, but um, they just they're dying this time of the season again, and it's uh, it's hard to to fathom. And obviously, they had a Europa League hangover. Uh, much uh, Juventus had a hangover as well, but they were able to overcome that uh, this weekend. But yeah, it's a, it doesn't matter who the manager is or who, who's playing on the pitch. It just seems that some, for some reason, at this point in the season, every year uh, they fade. They, just, they got up, they got the opportunities. They just can't put them in the net, and it's, they're snake bitten. Yeah, I would. Uh, snake bitten is a good way to put it. Um, it's uh, you know one of those things. Uh, What's coming first, Napoli winning a trophy or Juventus winning the Champions League? And, and as far as Napoli, Napoli winning a trophy, if you have any kind. Or Juve winning the Champions League? Yeah. Napoli winning the title. Any title. Any title? Okay. Like Coppa Italia. Coppa Italia, Scudetto, Coppa Champions Italia. League, Europa League. Okay. I agree. 
I agree. And, man, are we picking on Juventus. <laughs> I think this is my angst toward hearing from a bunch of Juve fans last week. And I didn't intend for this, but it's kind of... Well, I'm, to be fair to, to Juventus fans, I don't think anyone's going to catch them in the Scudetto, Scudetto on numbers of wins in, anytime soon. So, No, I... I I will not be uh, I will not be around uh, for the time that a Italian team uh, takes over Juventus in terms of number of scudettos won. So, yeah. and I don't know if you will either. Yeah. So we can give them that kind of credit. So, um, now let's ask this question as far as Italian teams in Europe. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how would you grade the Serie A teams overall, uh, big picture, as far as Europe is concerned? This season, I would say. Oh, four, four to ten. I, I expected more from from Inter in the Champions League, and they did well, but they came up just short. Um, I expected I expected more from Napoli. They came just they came up short in the Champions League, and then came up really, really short in Europa League. Juventus, we were expecting to get to at least the semifinals. They didn't do that. Um, Roma didn't do anything. I mean, Serie A teams, Lazio, they failed miserably. They did poor, and Milan as well. So. Uh, yeah, it's four out of ten for me because I expected a lot more from these clubs, especially what happened last year um, with how far the, the Serie A team got. So, a four out of ten for me is, a, I think, is a, a a nice way to put it. I'll I'll tell you what, I'm gonna bump it up just one more point. I'm gonna give it a five. I'm not happy not seeing uh, two major internet uh, European competition semifinals with no Italian teams in it. So that you, but at the same time, when you take a look at it, um, Milan going out in the group stage was disappointing. Atalanta not qualifying, uh, going out in the preliminaries to Copenhagen was disappointing. Um, those were the two huge disappointments of, uh, you know, of, of that. Lazio drew Sevilla in the round of 32. Sevilla is just better than Lazio. What are you going to do? Um, Slavia Prague is better than both of them. Um, but uh, as it pertains to the Champions League, and the reason why I'm bumping them up to the extra point, Inter were in a group with two teams that are currently in the semifinals, and were one goal away from knocking out one of them yeah. at the group stage. Yeah. Napoli was in a group with a team that reached the semifinals, and was one goal away from knocking them out at the group stage. This could have been a very, a, a much more a, a the paint the picture could have been could have been painted a lot differently than it is now um had inter found another goal against psv napoli had found a that you know the milik sitter at the end against against liverpool to be scores that to be fair inter lost the three semifinalists because i tracked her in the semifinals of the europe league so yeah and yeah there you go so you know um they're going out to teams that are still progressing. I mean, that's that that that's one of the that's one of the things, and that's probably why I give them that give it that extra point. And it also suggests to me, while it's not good optics that we don't have a Serie A team in the semifinal of either competition, again, dive a little deeper into it and see how close they were, and it'll suggest to you Serie A's not terribly far off when it comes to these European competitions. It's taking a goal here or a goal there. Things have to bounce a little bit differently for them. Um, you know, so next season I fully expect a Serie A team to reach the semifinals of at least one of those competitions, if not both. 
but it comes back to some of these teams that are struggling to overtake Juventus for this Vudetto to get their house in order and show that they can compete on more than one front. So I'll give it. A, you give it a four. I'll give it a five. We good on that? I think so. All right. Well, let's actually. Okay. So we've talked uh, Juventus. Uh, good news, bad news with Juve. We've talked about the European failures in Serie A. Let's actually talk about what happened uh, in match week 33. And Richard is going to give us a breakdown of Inter, Roma, and Napoli, Atalanta. So we're actually going to start with the the team we were just talking about, uh, Napoli. Uh, you know, they had a Monday night game. Uh, they hosted Atalanta, and you know, we saw what Juventus did after their their Champions League exit. They didn't they didn't come out too great against Fiorentina. Fiorentina kind of took it to them in the first half before they they started you know wrangling back in. Now um, Napoli, on the other hand, uh, they had you know obviously they had possession in the game, but. Uh, the result wasn't what they were looking for. It started out great, right? You know, Dries Mertens gets a goal in the 28th minute. Um, uh, a lovely play by, by Napoli. As they always do, they have this lovely passing ability. It's just the, the final third one missing them, them lately. Uh, but Dries Mertens gets it in, uh, one nothing just like that. And they go to halftime by that score. But in the second half, uh, Atalanta would make them pay for the missed opportunities because there were plenty of opportunities going Napoli's way. They just couldn't put it in the back of the net. Well, Duvan Zapata, he would, uh, Scored a 69th minute to level it up. Did not celebrate his goal. And just 11 minutes later, former Milan player Mario Pasalic scores the game-winning goal off a pass from Duvan Zapata. Atalanta win on the road 2-1. to one. Um, Again, Frank, we talk about snake-bitten Napoli, and it came to bite them bad in this game. Uh, is this a more impressive win by Atalanta on the road or a, a, a very, very poor result by Napoli? This reminded me of the uh, Simpsons episode where Homer Simpson goes into boxing and he just gets the crap punched out of him and he takes just about any and every punch. Did you see that? This is years ago. And then he just throws one punch at the opponent and with that punch knocks him out. (laughs) Because Napoli, when you look at this game, and all the chances that they had in the first half. They dom- I mean, Atalanta had more of the possession, but Napoli had seven seven shots, three on target, and they were equal on target in the first half. Um, but Napoli were dominant. They had a lot of awfully close chances, and even when they fell behind, they had a lot. They had Milik had one that fizzed wide yeah. um, that I recall. And just chance after chance after chance, and, and, and couldn't extend that 1-0 lead, and then Zapata makes him pay for it, and then ultimately Pasalic. Um, so it's an, I mean, it's a huge win for Atalanta. I take some, I take some comfort here in, in Napoli's performance though, because I want to talk about them real quick. Um, because they are probably going to be in, well, they're clearly going to be back in the Champions League next season. Let's just say that. I think they've already clinched their, their place if they haven't, or they're, they're getting darn close, but. With Inter still one of their remaining opponents, it gives me some courage to see that they're they're still putting in some committed games here. Even though the Scudetto's out of reach, there's no Europa League, there's really nothing to play for. They're they're in second and they're in relative purgatory here, and and they're still performing uh, and they're still playing at a relatively high level. So kudos to them. And then Atalanta for just taking Napoli's best shot and having the courage to turn it around and come back. That's really what happened here. Yeah, I think the play of the game that really swung the momentum um, was uh, 
Arkadiusz Milik uh, seemingly chipping it over the goalkeeper, thought he had a goal, and uh, Masiello, Andrea Masiello, came out of nowhere with a goal line clearance, literally a goal line clearance because he went to goal line check and it missed it missed the goal by millimeters. I uh, stayed on the line, so uh, that save ended up coming back, and uh, Duvan Zapata ended up scoring, and he got the assist later on to to Pasalic. So you know that kind of really changed momentum, but that's that also encapsulates you know. Napoli's scoring chances at the moment, they're, they're snake-bitten. They get so close as that goal, that, that potential goal was, and right off the line, they're done. So uh, that it feels like every time they get a, a scoring opportunity this, this last month or so, that's how it's panned out for them, either the post or a goal line clearance or some mar- some miraculous save. Um, Pierluigi Golini was was excellent in this game, made a big some big, big saves in that second half in particular. Um, one crucial one that I can think of for sure, but... Um, you got to give kudos to Atalanta. They're even though their defense isn't that great, they, 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 like you said, they kept taking the punches from Napoli and then kept counterattacking. And um, it's great to see that they're uh, they're they're obviously serious about their Champions League uh, aspirations. And right now they're 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 drawing level on points with with AC Milan. So um, don't look out now, but uh, that was probably the hardest hurdle they're going to have to the end of the season. And they they passed out flying colors. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, I uh, they've got. Let me look at Atalanta's remaining uh, run, their their run in here, the last five games. Um, well, they've got the Copa here against Fiorentina on Thursday. Uh, then Monday they host Udinese. Then they travel to Lazio, which is a huge game. Yeah. Uh, then they host Genoa. Then they're at Juve, which who knows what interest level Juve have here. Uh, and then they finish at home against Sassuolo. Um, that Atalanta Sassuolo at the end of the game, end of the season, Richard. That game could end up being six to five. Yeah, yeah, be fun. <laughs> yeah, with that said, it'll probably be zero zero. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to see neutrals for a neutral, if you want to watch Atalanta Sassuolo at the end of the season, there's I, I'd set the over under at at least eight. I'm I'm setting that there's going to be eleven, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll find out. But anyway, uh, so Atalanta have a interesting run in here because Udinese is still battling. You know, to avoid relegation somewhat. Uh, a Genoa team that's going to be relatively pesky. They go to Lazio, they go to Juve. So, yeah, this is going to certainly be, uh, you know, something that will help them take flight, winning at Napoli um, and getting those getting those three points. And they could prove crucial here in this in this fight for a Champions League place. 100%. It's going to be a, a race down to the end, and uh, I certainly look forward to those games at the end. But... Um, Atalanta have been uh, have been a joy to watch this season, especially offensively. Uh, the, the three-headed monster they have up top um, with Ilicic, Gomez, and, and Zapata have turned out to be really fun to watch. And hopefully, they if they do make the Champions League, uh, they can remain together. And then it'll be interesting to see what they do in, in Champions League next year. Agreed. Uh, well, you know, let's hope it's at the cost of Inter and not Milan, as as Milan fans, but we'll see. Um, I would have Mertens and Pasalic's goals as goal of the week candidates or as top five candidates. I don't think they were. I I know what the goal of the week was, but those two, uh, uh, those two were quality goals. Yeah, there were a lot of good goals this weekend, and the, certainly those two are are right up there in the in the mix as well for sure. So um, this is a much better week than last week's with the seventeen they had. So. Uh, overall, so yeah, good goals to choose from this week. Uh, sorry, goaltenders. Even though uh, some Asidugu uh, had one of the best saves of the weekend, uh, oh, yeah. nonetheless. And uh, and uh, Mirante had an excellent save on Lataro um, in the Inter game, which I'm sure you're going to talk about now, right? 
Well, yeah. The, another another big game this weekend was with with a lot of Champions League aspirations or, or implications. And this one was uh, Inter hosting Roma, and uh, it was actually the former uh, resident of Milan, Stefan Al Sharawi, who opened the scoring in the 14th minute with a great Solomon run, uh, great goal on uh, the 14th minute to give them a lead, one nothing. Uh, wonderful goal, curl goal of the week. What a what a what a play to go through guys and then put place it where he did uh, pass Handanovic. Uh, great goal by El Sharawi there. Yeah, goal of the week for me. Um, just running at the defenders, you know, getting them on the getting them on their heels a little bit, and then being able to cut inside and curl the curl the ball the way he did uh, was very well taken. Uh, and a great pass leading in from uh, from Aiden Jekko too uh, to begin that play. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And and Roma were looking really good in that first half, but. Uh, uh, Inter did a good job of, of coming back and, and getting involved and trying to trying to just claw their way back into the game. Uh, a lot of that started when Icardi was subbed in for uh, Rajan Nayangolan in the 54th minute. Uh, shortly thereafter, Ivan Perisic would score a goal, uh, a lovely goal to tie it up 1-1. Uh, that would be all the goals in the game, uh, but it was a fun game nonetheless, back and forth. Marate with a big save in the game, as you mentioned. Hadanovic always coming up big, as he does. Um, this was uh ended up being a pretty even match. Uh, if you're looking at the stats, Inter dominated possession, but um, you know, chances going both ways. Both goalies were forced to make four saves each. Um, lots of shots for both teams. Um, it was it was a fun game to watch, especially you could tell it was an intense. Champions League was on the line with both these teams, uh, just trying to get in there. El Shadawi had a chance at the end of the game that he's gonna rue that he wished he got. Um, and miss, uh, Rome was going to miss that too, especially if they don't make the Champions League this year. They're going to look at it as three points loss as opposed to, or two points loss as opposed to one point gain. So, um, what were your impressions of the, of this game, Frank? <laughs> um, full on shithousery by Roma. <laughs> they only had 28% of the possession, but it, the crazy thing is when they got it, it Clinical. what they did with the possession made you, made you feel like they actually had the ball for longer stretches than they really did. It's um, funny how that works just, with the optics. Yeah, it was 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 really strange in that sense. Yeah, I mean, Inter had the lion's share of the chances here. Um, Twenty-one shots to nine for Roma. They both had five on target. So you know, Roma certainly showed more quality with the ball for the, the very for for what little time they had it. What's impressing me about Roma here, well, and uh, well. Um, Ranieri is babysitting them because he's not going to stay with them beyond no. beyond this this stretch. Is he's actually making them halfway decent defensively? You know, I mean, yeah, then Inter just bombarded their goal, but could only score once. And prior to that, they Roma got clean sheets on Udinese and Sampdoria, teams that boast some pretty good attacking players. So that going into it, if I think if, if Di Francesco still had this job, Olsen would still be in goal, and, and they're probably not winning those games 1-0. They're probably dropping points, and they're probably a little bit further back. So, you know, I I need to give a little bit of credit here to Ranieri for how he's steered the ship here at Roma and has maybe put them in a position where they can have a little bit of hope to snag a top-four spot because, you know, as we mentioned, you know, and we're going to talk about Milan a little bit later here, they're struggling. Um, Atalanta defensively are having their issues. Lazio, um, uh, Lazio certainly, uh, you know, we're going to talk about them too. 
they could be the one team that could step up and snatch this. When you take a look at the rest of their schedule, they host Cagliari, they travel to Genoa, they host Juve. And again, we'll see what kind of attitude Juve have here down the stretch now that they've wrapped everything up and they don't have anything to play for. They travel to Sassuolo and then they finish up by hosting Parma. So they arguably have the best run in uh yeah. you know out of the teams competing for fourth. This is actually becoming very comical as you know I think Matt Santangelo tweeted out the other day. Is it champion this is this this is becoming a Champions League spots that no one wants to have. Like every te- all these the five teams are involved or whatever it is they're doing everything they can to make you think one week that they want it and then the next week just throw right. it away. And you're like, does now does nobody want to go to Champions League next year? Does nobody want the extra money? That's what it seems like. Yeah, <laughs> just it, it it does, doesn't it? it? It's crazy, you know. And and Inter not totally out of the weeds here yet either. No, uh, no. You know they've got 61 points. You would assume that they're safe, but they're hosting Juve on Saturday. They travel to Udinese. They host Kievo. They travel to Napoli, and then they host Empoli. Um. You know, there's at least six points in there, but I wouldn't say the the game at the Dacia is a, a given for them. Juve uh, and Napoli, you know, like I said, we'll see where their attitudes are. But, uh, you know, there's some points here that Inter are going to drop. It's just a matter of if the rest of the teams can take advantage and make this a race for, you know, make it a third and fourth race instead of just a race for fourth. It's sort of me... Uh, fun to watch it down to the end because, you know, last year we had a couple teams that were involved for the last spot, you know, Lazio and Inter. Uh, right now, you could easily say, you know, from eighth spot to third is up for, you know, all those teams are, are right in there in the mix for the Champions League spots. So, um, yeah. it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch, especially with, you know, a schedule like Inter has. They play a lot of these teams in there. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be swinging momentum here, you know. Well, you know, whether they get wins or they get draws, you know, they draw, somebody else wins, they're gonna leapfrog them, so don't, no one's safe at the moment. And can we stop with the damn camera shots of uh, Wanda Nara for inter, during inter games? Better than looking at a Cardi. <laughs> well, I, I get that. But, I mean, why, why, why continue to feed this woman's ego? I mean, seriously. Uh, it's just, the old just, Italian melodrama. Yeah, it's just, you know, hey, let's go uh, check on Wanda Nata. Oh, she's playing with her son. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Maybe seriously. They're, maybe they're waiting for her to jump on the run on the pitch or something. Yeah, I mean, nobody cares. You know, nobody cares about her. She just, she's she's trying to carve out way too big a piece of this uh, than she deserves. And it's just, it's, it's annoying. And then, and, you know, they just, they amplify it by putting the camera on her for random spots. Just come on, stop it. It's just one of those random things that just perturbed me. They had to even put the, she's in the highlight package. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. She can't, she seems to be in every package now uh, down the stretch for enter here. They just want to, See, I don't even know. I don't know why she's even included in like the highlight package. It doesn't make any sense during the game. I kind of get it, but oh, yeah, I don't know. If she if she's not putting on a shirt and running, I don't care. Okay, <laughs> so there might be some twenty-something Serie A fans, young men that don't, you know, that had their their hormones are through the roof, and they probably do and want to have a look. Fine, but you know, those of us that want to watch Maybe the game, she wants a Serie A website or. <laughs> Trying to figure out why she'd be on it so much. We're gonna get with Nima and find out why the hell are they? Why 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 the hell do we got to keep having camera? You know, 
the TV camera's got to be over, you know, seeing what Wanda's up to. Is she playing for them now? I, I just it, sorry, just it's one of those things. I don't care. I just don't. So I'm I'm quite surly in a uh, in a in a period of resurrection, aren't I? oh man well we should move on from uh inter and uh and the acardis um we're going to talk about some of these other teams that you know we're in position here to try to uh you know to to get in position here for these champions like places uh so we'll we'll get in the table in depth but um inter roma napoli atalanta your thoughts on those games uh go to at city i sit down on twitter or instagram let's get on with the rest of match week 33 all right well all of these games took place on holy saturday as is the tradition in Serie A. they don't play on easter uh so opening proceedings was parma and milan uh, 1-1 there. Samu Castilejo, who I would wager didn't have a clue that that ball was coming to him uh, from Suzo, putting Milan ahead. And then it was a wonderful free kick from Bruno Alves, which was a which is a goal of the week candidate. Uh, 1-1, honors even. Big problem I have with Milan right now, Richard, and not just as a fan, not just as a fan, but as a Serie A, Serie A you know, someone that's trying to be objective about the league as a whole. They can't create anything against anybody right now. They're too predictable. They're too reliant. Uh, still on Souza, who's done nothing for them uh, over the last few months. And they play down to their opponent. It's uh, not signs that a team that wants a Champions League spot, but more of a team that uh, was happy where they're at, and then they're going to be resigned and, and fine with going to the Europa League, which uh, I don't think is what they, they want. They want to get that big money going to the Champions League. Okay, now the Paqueta is slated to come back for the um, uh, second leg Coppa Italia semifinal. By the way, we'll talk about Coppa Italia after this here um, and give our predictions. Has these last several games without him really shown how badly he's been missed? Oh, 100%. They have no creative spark in the midfield right now, and... Um, you thought at, when he was in the in the in the lineup that maybe just the team is playing really well, blah 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 blah. But he's so instrumental when he when he, I mean you can see how much he's missed when he's not there. Um, yeah, the other players, you know, Bakayoko still doing his thing and Chalnola is trying to do his, try to play his you know his game. But Paqueta's one pulling the strings. He's an X factor as well. He 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 has that uh, unpredictability that you just can't you know you can't pitch a pitch a finger on. Like defenders certainly can because they can't contain him and. Um, once he comes back, I think the the offensive flair by Milan is going to improve significantly. Yeah, for sure. I just it's you know I think that that'll help things flow through the midfield and make things a little bit more dynamic. I still the, the, this team still needs a winger that can that can provide crosses or at least fullbacks that can get forward and provide crosses uh, to give Piantic chances because he's not getting them from Suzo. He's not he's clearly not getting them from Borini. Hopefully the return of Pacheta can move. Chalhanolu more into a more advanced role where uh, where Pianta can be played into these situations. We'll just have to see. Um, but uh, real problems there. And uh, Bruno Alves uh, continues to just score peaches from the from the free kick spots, doesn't he? Who knew he could take free kicks up up, up until this season? Uh, he's nailing them left and right. Uh, good for him. I mean, they're excellent goals. Uh, every time he scores a goal, you're thinking it's a goal of the week um, contender. So. Uh, 
yeah, he's a, he's I guess he's taking the the role of this captain Steve with Parma and then taking it to heart and and and, and showing it with these free kicks. Coach probably just said, "Hey, you uh, you play internationally with Ronaldo. Get over here and try this." <laughs> so yeah, try one of his things. <laughs> yeah, do what he does. You 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 watch it enough. <laughs> so. Oh, my. Uh, Bologna 3, Sampdoria 0. The goals all came in the second half. Lorenzo Tonelli uh, uh, puts the ball in his own net. Uh, No truth to the rumor that he has a vendetta against his former player, Empoli, and wants to see them go down. Um, (laughs) I had to do that. That was just so wide open. Uh, Eric Polgar with a goal of the weekend. Did you see this? That was directly off the corner kick, wasn't it? Oh, that's a wonderful shot. Wonderful shot. Yeah, and he's done that before. He did that last year too. Oh, he he yeah he he knows how to curl the balls from any anywhere on the pitch and uh, Pulgar is a fun player to watch. Last year he, he was doing it all the time. This year not as much, but uh, when he's got his opportunities this year, he has put him in the back of the net. Ricardo Orsolini uh, uh, rounded out the scoring. It was in Odero Howler. We praised Odero last week for his performance in the Derby della Lanterna, and here uh, he was no better than uh, Tonelli and Bologna. Now have some breathing room. I told you they were going to get out. Yeah, five points, five points clear from uh, the drop with five to play. Looks like they're safe uh, right now, um, and they've they've actually leapfrogged Udinese at the moment too. So, yeah, I mean it was inevitable with uh, Mihalovic. Uh, he he he's getting the players. They got some talent on the team, and, get, and he's finally getting them to play uh, closer to the potential. So um, the inevitability has become uh, inevitable, and then they're out of the of the the bottom three, and I don't think they're going to look back anytime soon. Yep. Um, Mihalovic, I think a little while ago, talking when talking about Eric Pulgar, did say that Pulgar has a chance to be better than than him, uh, which is <laughs> Mihalovic did some really nasty things with the football, so <laughs> that's pretty high praise. Um, but uh, uh, nasty in a good way, like what he did on the pitch playing football. For some of you dirty people out there that are listening to what I just said, I I don't think like that. So not on a podcast, at least. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he outdoes him on the skills compartment, not the uh, the yellow card factor. Yeah, that too. Um, I don't let my son listen to this podcast, by the way. So I would suggest you don't <laughs> let children listen to this. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on. Cagliari one, Frozenoni nil. Um, don't worry, we didn't watch it either. Uh, apparently. According to my notes, uh, according to the report that I got, João Pedro made a penalty, and also re- according to the notes that I got, Farago had a double yellow. This was the game where they had didn't have uh, Pellegrini and uh, Barella. This is the one they had to sit out. Yeah, so. yeah, and then uh, it showed in the game because they lacked creativity, um, and it took them a penalty to to win the game there. So, Calgary's in eleventh. I know. Look out! I mean, Fiorentina. They jumped over Fiorentina, so. Um, well, they're, they're, no, they're, they're behind Fiorentina. Um, they're in 11th, and Fiorentina's in 10th. And oh, my my, st- my table says the opposite. So, we'll have to check. That on could be right. true. That could be true. It could just be on the uh, the aggregate head to head, and that just you know that Cagliari should be 10th. But either way, uh, we you know they they were in a relegation zone not too long ago, and now they're mid table, um, safe safe from the from the relegation zone. So good for them. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean. They're not the greatest and flashiest of teams, but uh, they're getting the job done. And uh, even when they don't have their two better, two of their best players uh, in the game, they're still getting the results, uh, albeit from a penalty. But hey, a win's a win, right? Yep, that's absolutely uh, take it any way you get. And then Prozinone now 
10 back with five to play, looking very, very grim for them. They're as good as done. Uh, the a, a big game in terms of the relegation picture, Empoli and Spall, and it ended up being probably uh, the most entertaining game of the week in terms of goals. Uh, Empoli 2, Spall 4. Um, Francesco Caputo uh, scoring from sea level in the 22nd minute. It's is, is Tuscany. No, nah, that, that, you can't say that about Tuscany. Tuscany's got high elevation, doesn't it? They got mountains and hills out there, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been out there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, whatever floor floor level, since it's not sea level, uh, in the 22nd minute to give Empoli the lead, and then Andrea Patania uh, on a penalty in the 38th minute where Flockery was taken down in the penalty area. Um, the referee initially said, well, you're just an old man that trips over your feet. Um, and then VAR said, no, you need to look at this. And they said, oh, yeah, you were fouled. I'm sorry. Um, so Patania makes the penalty 1-1. Uh, M- uh, Flokori would get a goal of the week candidate in the 44th minute to make it 2-1 at half. Uh, Empoli came out and equalized in the 47th through Traore. Did you see this? This was a great team goal. Great, great team goal. And it was a great first goal of the, of, for him in Serie A, too. So, uh, he'll be missed next season when they get relegated. Yeah, for sure. And Andrea Patania would restore the lead on the hour, uh, and then took off his shirt and showed everybody how fat he was, um, <laughs> to make it 3-2. He has, man, he's fat. But he scores goals, so Spall, that's all Spall cares about. And I'm sure with, with a brace here, he probably got to, uh, he probably got to eat at the best restaurant in Ferrara, whatever it is. Yeah. That's gonna celebrate with pizza before, during, and after games. <laughs> and Antonucci in the 88th minute uh, pretty much making Spall safe at this point nine clear five to play they'd have to have a total meltdown the rest of the way um, you know at this juncture so uh, uh, but they broke out and scored four goals this time Richard we're used to them just trying to uh, just grind their way to wins but uh, they turned on the style a little bit yeah how is when you play uh, Empoli uh, Empoli tends to give goals um, no, they. This is an important game. Uh, six points were on the line, really. Uh, as you mentioned, relegation six pointer, and uh, Spall showed how much they wanted to stay in Syria in this game. I mean, it was a great start by Empoli, but uh, Spall came back with a vengeance and they scored four goals. So, um, great time to score four goals in in, in a season when you play a team like uh, that you're battling for that last spot. So, um, kudos to Spall. They got the job done. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully Capitania keeps his shirt on from now on. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Let's uh, let's let, let's certainly hope for that. Um, uh, moving on to Udinese and Sassuolo, one-one. Stefano Sensi in the 31st minute, a goal of the week candidate. Uh, Udinese equalized through a Polirola own goal. Um, so the Nero Verdi getting a win, uh, just playing out the stretch. Udinese, eh, four points clear of the drop, sitting in 17th. Uh, would you know, rescued a point here. I mean, that's really what matters. They they gain a point on Empoli, who lost. So um, four clear with five to play. We could be a couple of weeks away from con- just confirming that the team that are in the bottom teams in the bottom three are going to be the three that go down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, bottom two are for sure going down. It, at this point, it seems safe to say that Empoli are going down, but we're going to know for sure in a couple of weeks. I mean, this would this is a big weekend for for Empoli and and not getting any points in that game. Hurt a lot, and Udinese uh, did get a point. So um, Udinese are breathing a little bit more of side relief, but uh, still a few weeks to, a few weeks out before we declare it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, Lazio, really? 
Really? See, it's at Champions League spot. Nobody wants it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they lost to Kievo. They gave Kievo their set. They basically gift wrapped Kievo, in particular Sergei Malinkovich Savic, who apparently must have had weekend plans and didn't want to play. Uh, kicked at, uh, who did he kick Stepinski. at? Stepinski. And to be Stepinski. fair, Stepinski should have got a yellow on that play, but you, the red card was warranted. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was stupid. Um, so, I mean, it just sums up Milinkovic Savic's season. It's been a disaster. Um, so he's sent off in the 34th minute. Kiev will get to play with 10 men, but don't break through until the 49th through Vignato. Who the hell is Vignato? Oh, he's an 18-year-old youngster. Uh, sensation. Nice, nice way to score a goal, uh, on your debut. Um, I'm glad that he got his chance and, uh, unfortunately for him, he'll be relegated next season, but hopefully he'll be able to play at one of the Serie A clubs next season with that goal. Oh, if he's good enough, he'll find some work. I mean, yeah. I've got it as a goal of the week candidate. I was impressed with it. So, uh, two minutes later, the misery is piled on for Lazio. Pepperim Hetemai scores in the 51st. Um, Felipe Caicedo would get a goal here in the 67th. Um, and then the match would end, and then Luis Alberto got a red. I think he got it after the game because he played the whole match. He had to have said something about the referee's mother. Um, that's the only thing that I can draw from it, but he was given a straight red at the very end of the game. Uh, yeah. Do you know what happened there? I do not, but I'm sure it has something to do with the Milinkovic-Savic red card uh, early in the game, probably saying that you cost us the game or something or other. But um, to be fair, Lazio didn't play. They did just had, they, it wasn't it wasn't going to you know, work for them. You know, Correa hit a post, and uh, I think maybe Parola hit one also as well. So it just wasn't going to work out for them in this game. So whether they had Milinkovic-Savic or not, I don't think that would have mattered at this point, but yeah, that's a terrible loss for them, and uh, now they're going to be out with Luis Alberto and Milinkovic Savic for the next game, so things are getting, went from hard to worse. Yep, yep, so uh, we'll have to just kind of keep tabs on that one and see how things go uh, moving forward for Lazio. I mean, just looking at their run, and because they're they're further back of the chasing pack, uh, sitting in eighth, they're on 52 points. I mean, it's not a total disaster for them right now. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they got the Copa midweek here against Milan. They travel to Sampdoria. They host Atalanta. They're at Cagliari, hosting Bologna, and then at Torino. They clearly have the toughest stretch of any team uh, fighting for European places. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for them, and um, we saw what they did against Kievo, but you never know You never know with them. Sometimes when they teams they should be, like Kievo, they don't, and then games that they're... they're Probably going to be the underdogs. They end up, you know, showing up and, and winning. So, um, I would not be surprised if, if Lazio gets a good amount, good amount of wins in this run. But um, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but a team that is all of a sudden becoming a thing again. Uh, yes, Rafa, we know. <laughs> Thank you for keeping on reminding us. Torino away at Genoa, winning one nil through Christian Ansaldi. Big game from Salvatore Sirigu in this game, in particular that save that you mentioned, Richard. They're in seventh. They're in seventh now on 53 points. Yeah, they're in it. They're three points off a Champions League spot. Uh, wow. Yeah, and Rafa called it. Rafa said that Torino's going to make the Champions League, so um, they're not far off right now. Huge game on Sunday when they host Milan. Uh, and then that is followed by the Derby della Mole, which was scheduled for Friday. <laughs> this cracks me up. They, it was scheduled for Friday, May 3rd, as if Juventus was going to qualify for the semifinals. So they had this all set, and now they can't move it because it's a Derby. <laughs> <So>. Whoops. <laughs> 
Oh, man. And then they host uh, Sassuolo uh, at Empoli, hosting Lazio. Yeah, it's it's doable for them. Uh, I'm not going to rule it out. Uh, top six can certainly happen for them. Uh, I, you know, considering Lazio's run-in is a lot tougher than this, I think Torino is going to, at worst, finish seventh at this point. Yeah, and uh, the two biggest games will be the game against Milan next week and then um, uh, hosting that, which is going to be good for for them, and then also the Lazio game at the end. So you get two big wins in those games. I mean, you can almost say Champions League spot if you if you get those two wins, uh, but that's that's a long way coming. Uh, there'll be difficult games, no doubt about it, but uh, you got to like the way they play defense compared to the other, you know, the other five teams in the mix. They probably play the best defense out of them all, so yeah. they have at least that going for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, they qualify for Europe. Let's. I mean, forget about Champions League. If they make the Europa League, uh, Walter Mazzotti for me is manager of the season. Yeah, yeah. Unless for me, I, I'm gonna say yes. Unless Mazzotti gets Champions League, that's the okay. only way I wouldn't say he Mazzotti wins. Oh, you mean uh, if Atalanta get Champions League? I mean, yes. Sorry. Okay. If that's but okay, I, I can see that. Okay. Um, so if, if Atalanta don't make, if Atalanta don't make the Champions League, Torino qualify for Europe. Mazzotti is manager of the season. So just what a job he's done, uh, and uh, you know they're in it with a real shout. They're not they're not making up the numbers here for these Champions League places. They have a they have a very legitimate shot at this. Um, and with the way that team is put together, they can do it. Now. Um, the challenge for them is going to be that if they do qualify for Europe, do they have the means to add to that team, um, which will which will be very interesting, to say the least. Uh, uh, Senor Cairo might have to uh, dig into his pockets to make that work. So, uh, but uh, but we shall see. Um, so that's that's the uh, the wrap on match week 33. Juventus has clinched the title. Napoli second, pretty safe in second. Inter third. Milan fourth despite doing everything they can to give it away. Um, Atalanta 5th, Roma 6th, Torino 7th, Lazio 8th, Samp 9th, and then depending on which site you're looking at, 10th is either Cagliari or Fiorentina. It should be Cagliari, I think, but uh, mine might be wrong. Um, And then in the bottom three, it's Empoli, Frosinone, Chievo. And uh, Frosinone is good as relegated. Chievo definitely relegated. And Empoli, four points away from safety um looking at empoli's run-in uh if they're going to try to get out of this they go to bologna on saturday huge game there they host fiorentina tuscan derby there at sampdoria hosting torino at inter that is a very painful run-in i don't know where they're getting the points i'm ready to just go ahead and say they're getting dropped yeah yeah it's hard to Hard to say that they're going to pass Udinese or Bologna the way those two teams are playing at the moment. So at least those two teams can score and, and, and get win or get results on like Empoli. So unfortunately, we're not going to see a pretty passing that Empoli has uh, any longer, I would think. No, and Udinese have to go to Atalanta. They host Inter. They are at Flosinone. They host Spal, and then they're at Cagliari to finish the season. They have a slightly better run in. I mean, I th- Empoli's is just daunting. Uh, and then for me, I think it's just it's it's to those two teams for the last place, and I just I don't see Empoli getting enough and making up those four points over the five match weeks with the teams they've got to play. Yeah. 
So okay, so that's our take. I think we're. I think there's not going to be much of a relegation fight when you take a look at the games looking ahead. Your thoughts on what's going on with the table, the race for fourth. Who's going to get it? Who's going to get the European places? Uh, let us know what you think at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's wrap this up with a quick look at the second leg of the Coppa Italia. Okay, Richard, we wrap this up talking Coppa Italia, Wednesday, April 24th, Milan and Lazio uh, take to the pitch. Nil-nil in the first leg. Uh, we return to the scene of the crime where uh, the fight broke out after the game, the Jersey Gate with uh, Bakioko and Cassian. By the way, really, and, and we're not going to do anything about the Lazio Ultra fans uh who made the racist uh, made the racist chance towards Bakayoko? Chance toward Bakayoko. This, this is where that Cindy Lauper song comes on, you know, True Colors or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if IGC, fucking cowards. Yeah, but it's, it's it's I see your true colors and that's why I love you. I don't think we're saying that. I see your true colors and that's why you're a pain in the <laughs> touché, ass. Touche, touche. And you're making it very hard for me to defend you. <laughs> so anyway, I like Milan. Now, Milinkovic-Savic and Alberto get to play in this game. The uh, the Reds from the league don't carry over to the Copa. Um, they haven't all season, so they will be eligible to play. Um, I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be tense, but I think Milan um, find a way to – I think they find a way to win. These are two teams that are in pretty disappointing form right now. Somebody's got to win it, and I'll just air to the side of the home team. Not not because they're my team, but just because they, they're the home team in this game. I think if Paqueta plays – Milan wins. If not, I'm gonna go with Lazio. Oh, okay. So you think like what do you think? I think a score draw then? Because Lazio is not gonna beat them at the same set yeah. zero. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. It'll be a score draw, but um, I don't like uh, the way Milan's playing without Paquette at the moment. So. Okay. Okay. Well, the story's uh, the story's going around that he's gonna start. So we'll see. Um, then in Bergamo. Um, Atalanta and Fiorentina, the first leg, 3-3. I just, Montella has injected some things here into this Fiorentina team. I think they're still trying to figure this out with the three at the back. Um, Outplayed Juve for stretches on Saturday. Can they carry that into into Bergamo? I'm going to say no. What they do have going for them, though, is they have two extra days rest for this. You know, Atalanta just played here. We're recording this on a Monday. They played on Monday. They're going to have a quick turnaround before they have to play Thursday. Fiorentina had a little more time. So that's in Fiorentina's favor. But to go to Bergamo and win, I don't know if they're doing that. I'm going to give – Atalanta are going to win this. It's going to be another entertaining game. I'll say 3-2 to Atalanta. Yeah, that's – it is certainly a tough place to play. Bergamo is in – I just like the way Atalanta are they're confident. They got to be confident now, especially after a Napoli win. I'm gonna go something like three-one. I, I think I think Atalanta are gonna score some goals, but um, I think they'll do a little bit better defensively than they did last game. Yep. One would hope. One would hope. So, uh, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So, based on that, I'm predicting a Milan-Atalanta final in the Coppa Italia. You are you saying? Things. What's that? Set up on the fence because if Paqueta plays, I think Milan wins. If Paqueta doesn't play, I think Lazio wins. So, yeah, um, you, you've got Atalanta in the final, but yeah. it's, it's a matter of what Milan, how how Milan run out against Lazio. Okay, okay. 
who, in your opinion, makes the Copa Italia final? Go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. And with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of the Serie A Sit Down. Richard, uh, plug away. Yeah, uh, not too much. Go- I mean, I said not too much going on, but there's plenty of going on on my end. But uh, in terms of the podcast, last week I was on the Yellow Card podcast with Stephen Brand and and Duffy, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, other than that, uh, just doing the uh, the old Seriositown podcast here and on online. So um, yeah, you can just find me at r underscore k h a r m a n on Twitter or Instagram. Excellent. I'm at FTC underscore 21 at on Twitter. Um, just this podcast, that's all I'm doing. That's all I got the time for right now. Um, you can go to at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, any questions, comments, feedback from what you heard from this particular podcast, uh, we more than welcome it. Uh, we have our videos uh, available on YouTube. Uh, we have our own channel on iTunes and soundcloud you can also find us on stitcher spotify just about anywhere uh you can find a podcast you can go to and i haven't been plugging wfi enough richard because there's a lot of good stuff going on there and i feel bad so i'm going to give them a plug i mean after all they do host our our podcast right um but go but go to www.worldfootballindex.com uh plenty of coverage and content from uh uh, from leagues around the world, interviews with players. James Rowe does a fantastic job in particular. Um, we've had him on this podcast, or uh, I should say Richard interviewed him uh, and had him on this podcast. So uh, we had you know, go back into our archives and check that out. Uh, but just about anything that uh, you want coverage of, uh, World Football Index is definitely covering it. So uh, go and give um, you know some of those podcasts a listen and give them some love. Um, but uh, next Sunday, we will be recording next week, and we will have Rocco Fasano back with us, and it'll be his fourth appearance, Richard. He's earning his caps. Uh, he's starting to become a staple. <laughs> all in one all in one season, by the way, yeah. too. Yeah, great season so, by him. So. All in one season. And I'm gonna get, we'll give him a chance to you know, give the Juventus response next week to some of the things that we said uh, on this podcast. So Look at you lumping me in with your comments. <laughs> I did say you, some stuff. I did you, say some you, stuff. You did say some words. So, <laughs> so, so but we're looking forward to having Rocco, Rocco on uh, next week's edition. So uh, do check us out for that. And uh, until then, uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. As always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.